Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. I am joined by Elaine Lynch, who is fresh out of a Toastmasters meeting. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, Susan. Well, I'm delighted you're joining us today, Elaine. Technical skills, firstly, is something every accountant really needs to have. But communication or the ability to communicate is something we all need to perfect as much as we can. How has communication and that ability to communicate intertwined in your life, Elaine? Thanks, Susan. It's a great question. If I look back on my career and think about the beginnings and the cycles that we all go through, I think there's a number of stages where communication is very important, not just about the the day job. If we think of looking for the job, can you communicate to that recruiter what it is that you want? And then when you're at at the interview, how can you communicate about you? And then, of course, there's doing the job. But once you're in that job too, progressing in that role and in your career, for example, performance reviews, maybe internal interviews for promotion. So as well as the day job, there is that other wider part of the cycle of any career, I think, for which communication is, is so important. And if we think of the day job and maybe a job description. In my experience anyway, there's usually maybe one bullet point that mentions good interpersonal skills or something like that. And actually, I think many job descriptions, the the bullet points of the responsibilities and the duties and the expectation, communication is encompassed in most, if not all of them. If you think of the, the, the types of things like driving change in the organization, leading teams, interacting with different stakeholders, managing relationships, that all requires interacting with human beings. It really does. And we've talked about verbal communication, but it's also written, isn't it? It's emails and everything we do. There's communication involved. Yes, definitely. And some of us often work with people that we might never actually meet in real life. They're based somewhere else in the world. And that was the case too, I think, before remote working has really taken off this year. But it's very much the case now. And I think too, the the demand or the expectation of communication skills increases as we progress throughout our career. If we think of the, the beginnings, you think of the types of expectations of jobs and roles when you start out it tends to be things like analyze support 
provide it's those more doing words and and the technical skills are first and foremost the most important thing and it's not that it's technical skills or communication it has to be both and I think communication kind of on unlocks that potential of the technical skills for for progression it's that key to unlock that progression in in your career I think and as you move on to managing people to leading teams to maybe leading organizations that that communication probably changes in a way as well It, it might begin with reporting on your team's activity at the weekly meeting it might be talking to stakeholders on a conference call but then as you progress it might be leading that organization motivating people to follow your strategy inspiring them to to take an action and maybe maybe when times are tough inspiring and and motivating to people to take the action that you want but also to follow your plan as a leader Mm. I really like that what you said about unlocking because we hear so much about this will you know unlock your potential and that will unlock your potential but actually communication is a great key to unlocking so much in life very very cool so Toastmasters Elaine I'm not sure it's something that everybody all our audience might have heard of or may have a vague idea of what Toastmasters is and might even think it's a cult. So for the benefit of our listeners, you could introduce what Toastmasters is. Sure. Well, let me just dispel that myth right now. It's definitely not a cult. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Everything in Toastmasters revolves around a club. So yes, you do have a collection of people meeting that have a common interest. I usually describe Toastmasters to people as a little bit like playing golf. So once you know how to play golf and you enjoy playing it, you can play a game of golf anywhere in the world with lots of different people that also like playing golf. And just like each golf course is a bit different, so is each club. And often in a golf club too, you'll have members with very different playing abilities and experience. And I think the same is true in a Toastmasters club. Everyone is at a different stage of their own unique learning journey and their careers. That's so cool because when I did my introduction speech, I said that Toastmasters was like CrossFit. (laughs) Because CrossFit's like that, a supportive environment where people are at all different levels and you'll get the same structure anywhere you go in the world, but every club would be unique. Exactly. Yes, and it's interesting you mentioned that CrossFit has got your analogy and, and golf is mine. Sometimes it's just about whatever you're into. I joined Toastmasters, if I reflect on it now, really to benefit my career. I, I felt that development of communication and leadership skills would be of benefit to me in my accounting and finance career. But what it's developed into for me is, is a passion that I actually have fun doing and enjoy and you'd have to to get out of bed at five o'clock on Thursday mornings as I used to do when we met in person in the city and it's a place where I've made great friends and fellow members from such a diverse range of professions 
how they spend their day, where they're from. And the diversity of membership for me is one of the most interesting and enjoyable aspects of being a member. And it's one of the aspects of my life beyond the numbers, I suppose. <laughs> Great. What Toastmasters provides is a hands-on learning environment and a structured education program. So you go to something, you show up and you participate and that's how you learn. That's what I mean by a hands-on learning mm. environment. But there's also a structured education program. So you think about what it is that you want to develop in your communication and leadership style. Combination of the hands-on environment and the educational program provide is a place and a way to for members to develop in a supportive, enjoyable, and affordable way. Toastmasters International is a global organization. So there are over 360,000 members worldwide, and that's across 145 countries. Wow. And there's 16,000 clubs. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so the chances are you already know someone who's a Toastmaster, actually. You just might not know that. There's definitely a club close to where you are. And you will find other accounting and finance professionals who are members. Um, for example, 2020 winner of the World Championships of Public Speaking is a finance analyst from Austin, Texas, I believe. But you'll also meet people who work in a whole variety of different careers. If you want to look at some interesting speeches, some competition winning world championship level speeches, that's all on YouTube. So much material on YouTube to do with Toastmasters. Now, what you will find is a lot of people maybe uploading their own speeches and that's for their learning and maybe they want their friends and family to see. The 2019 winner was absolutely fantastic. And I think what's incredible, it's seven minutes you get between four and seven minutes to make an award-winning speech. And people can say so much in that time. It's quite incredible. Yeah, and it's a real skill, I think, Susan, to be able to distill your thoughts and message into seven minutes. If you're communicating about your job, that's something you do day in, day out. You know your role better than anyone else. But it's not always easy to distill that down into the one minute or five minute speech that you maybe have with a customer. Maybe it's an elevator pitch or maybe it's a sales pitch. It's, it's winning a new customer. So many different types of interactions that we have. And the skill that you practice at, at Toastmasters is distilling down the message. What is it that I want to say? What structure is best to put around this? And then how you say it. And it's, it's one of those things in life, I think, that can be sometimes easier said than done. Mm. Definitely. And so, Elaine, what prompted you in the first place to join Toastmasters? My first introduction to Toastmasters was on my first day of my graduate training contract. So the first day of my accountancy career, really. Wow. Um, yes, lots of companies have Toastmasters clubs, I realise now. So the first day of my graduate training contract, the the organization had a club and the person who founded the club came in and spoke to us about it and for me it wasn't really about what they were saying it was just how they were saying it they were very at ease on front of a, a large room of, of lots of people and 
for me, a, a seed was was planted in my mind that day that made me think, I don't know what this Toastmasters thing is yet, but if it can make me anywhere near as good as this person appears to be in front of this large audience, then I should give it a try. Brilliant. I think it was a recognition too even on day one, that the skills that I was going to need for my career were going to take time to build. It's more obvious when it comes to other skills where there's an exam process and you go through the the training contract. A, A contract itself is already an indication that it's going to take you a number of years to acquire the skills that you need to become newly qualified. And I think that day I I recognized that this was something that if I'm really going to perfect over the long term, that it was to put in place those building blocks early. Now, I didn't run out and and join the club straight away. (laughs) It actually wasn't until after I had passed my final exams that I then turned to, okay, what are the other skills and, and things that I need to work on that hopefully will be of benefit to me? for my career long term so within a number of weeks of passing my final exams I went and joined the club then. Fantastic yeah I can imagine it would have been a lot to juggle (laughs) so that seems sensible but now you live in London and you are the president of a club tell us a little bit about that club. Yes so my club is called City Limits Speakers. We meet in person in the city of London we don't meet now in person and remote working all our meetings are on Zoom, but we meet on Thursday mornings. The meetings are from 7.20 a.m. to 8.45. And when we met in person, we went for breakfast and then on to work. And now we catch up remotely if we can. Not everyone stays. I I can't stay every week for breakfast, but that's our post-meeting social. That's quite an early start. I can imagine with commuting, you must be leaving the house very early, or you were. What if somebody doesn't want to do that? There's something quite beautiful, I think, about being in the city that early with with nobody around. You've got a clear head at the start of a day. But every club has its own culture and identity. We meet on Thursday mornings. Every club is different. And the the, the day, the time and location usually link in with the social activities of of the club. I visited a few clubs before I decided to join the club. The first club I went to visit met on a Monday evenings. In, in Victoria, the next club that I went to meet met on Wednesday evenings. Mm. We had a visitor who was on holidays in London from Taiwan, and she was telling us that her club met on Saturday mornings. And after the meeting, members who wanted to, they went shopping together in the local shopping centre. <laughs> so, you know, that's the, the great thing about Toastmasters. There is a club out there that, that suits everyone's schedule. It's just about trying them on for size and seeing the one that's going to work with your commitments. That's kind of cool. And there's obviously that social aspect as well. So if you're in a new city, it's a great way to meet people. Yes, definitely. It's great to meet people and and network. I actually didn't join Toastmasters immediately upon moving to London. It was a couple of years mm-hmm. before I was able to fit it into my schedule. When you move to a new city, there was lots to do and enjoy. And it was really then when I when I changed job, I thought it would be a good opportunity to to seek out a club that was going to be close to my new 
place of work and that I was going to be able to attend regularly and people asked me about how can I get involved in Toastmasters and which club should I join I always recommend trying a couple don't go to one meeting and make a decision every club is different every club's got its own unique culture and identity the other thing too is to have the best chance of success and get the most out of the experience to maximize your learning and development you should ideally be attending regularly visit clubs that meet on a date and time that fits with your schedule and that will give you the best chance of success now it's interesting what you say about the culture and identity i attend two different toastmasters clubs in oxford and both of them have an overlap in membership, but the culture of both clubs is very, very different. It fascinates me, even though the meetings will run kind of the same. So you started out with a corporate club. What would you say are the main differences between a corporate Toastmasters and a typical out of office hours <laughs> Toastmasters meeting? Corporate clubs usually have a requirement that you work for that organization. It's something that the company has set up for the benefit of their employees. So in a corporate club, members will have at least one thing in common. That is that they all work for the same organization. The culture then of, of that club and identity is usually quite closely aligned to the culture of that organization. A typical club then, as you talk about an out-of-hours club one that's not affiliated to any organization and what i would refer to as a community club which is the majority of clubs globally anybody can join them if there's space for new members what happens at a meeting elaine what actually happens when you turn up to one when you turn up to a toastmasters meeting guests are always welcome any club will be happy to have you as a guest so don't be afraid and there's no pressure to participate. You can sit back, listen, and decide if it's something for you. There's three things that happen at every meeting. The first thing is something called table topics. And these are short, quick fire questions where the respondents think on their feet and speak impromptu for one to two minutes. The second thing are prepared speeches, where members who have prepared a speech on a topic of their choice Will deliver that speech. The third thing is evaluation. All speeches and roles are always evaluated and the objective with that evaluation is to give feedback that overall is encouraging and it's motivating but it doesn't just simply focus on the positives but also to give the speaker some constructive recommendations so what they could think about implementing in the next speech things to improve on and that's how we learn isn't it mm -hmm. by working out what we need to improve on i think what's interesting as well is the evaluation is a speech in its own right yes and there's a skill to it usually about three minutes so to succinctly briefly and in a positive and constructive way, summarize a speech that somebody has just done is, is a real skill. And it takes practice. And that's what Toastmasters gives you is that week in, week out ability to practice those skills. There is a competitive element to Toastmasters. And if you're new to it, not something to worry about or think about 
at an early stage, but all clubs have four contests annually. So every club around the world follows the contest timetable and they are around table topics, speeches and also evaluation. People actually compete to who can give the best evaluation of the same speech. The whole process, I think, is very exciting. In an evaluation contest, for example, you will have what's called a test speaker. So somebody gives a speech and then you might have four or five. I've even been at, I was a test speaker in the contest where there was 10 evaluators. Yes, lots. But it just goes to show you the level of participation and commitment was very impressive. But I learned so much after receiving 10 speeches, three minutes by 10 people, 30 minutes of focused feedback. Where else do you get that level of personal development? You don't. Fantastic. And were all of them different? Did you get different points from different people? Yes, because they don't hear what the other person is saying. They have their own interpretation of the speech, you typically will get some themes coming through. I've given a speech this week at my club and it's not 10 people giving separate speeches about my speech, but everyone will send me a message on Zoom or directly. And when you do speeches regularly and you get regular feedback, you begin to recognize some of the themes and you can think okay well most people seem to be saying this so that's good oh somebody has said I haven't really used hand gestures that could be something I could think about but actually I think I use my hands far too much on Zoom so it's really interesting I always think to hear the feedback that you want or that you think you know already and that you hope to receive but then the feedback that is really surprising too and you think wow that's really interesting how could I have any idea that this is how I come across if I didn't ask someone if I wasn't practicing in this way for me Toastmasters is an opportunity to practice the concept of feeling the fear and doing it anyway because I've been a Toastmaster now for a couple of years. I've completed a number of the educational programs but that doesn't mean that I'm no longer nervous. I am but by doing speech after speech after speech instead of being faced with a situation where I might need to present experiencing those feelings of adrenaline and fear through having that feeling many times it just means when it's not a Toastmasters meeting and I experience that same little fear or adrenaline that I know that I've felt that many times before it is just temporary and when the the speech starts or the meeting starts or it's your time like that all the practice you have put in does pay off and that it rarely goes 100% the way that you hope it will and that you have practiced, but the practice helps you get to that 97, 98% level that if I didn't practice at all, I might be further off that high percentage target. And I think the feeling thing is very interesting because the heart rate quickens and the adrenaline surge you talk about. And yeah, you can see it as fear. I always see that as excitement. <laughs> I feel that's, that's what I need to get through a speech. 
but it ties very nicely actually into episode 10 of life beyond the numbers called this feeling business when we deconstruct and dissect some of that bodily sensation around fear and excitement great that's a really good way of putting it is excitement and the heart rate quickens all those human body reactions to it's now your time to perform yeah and we can look forward to that and i do look forward to giving speeches and we can practice a lot of times in the safety of of our own environment and you can write a speech and you can read it but it's very different delivering it in front of a crowded room and a crowded audience and if you are excited nervous which most of us are because you need that adrenaline and excitement to prepare and deliver in that moment the best way to practice for that is to replicate that environment and that's what speaking week in week out at a Toastmasters club gives you an opportunity to practice it's it's feeling that buzz that excitement and a little bit of fear and adrenaline and doing it anyway doing it anyway (laughs) yeah that's so true so what are the secrets or is there a secret to communicating effectively I think the answer to that question is, what are you trying to communicate? Mm. So I think there's three main things that you should always consider. What, why, and how. What is the message you're trying to communicate? It's good to think about what structure you want to put on the communication. Why is the reason for your communication? Are you informing somebody Are you motivating them? Are you trying to entertain them? Is it an after dinner speech? Is it a wedding speech? Are you trying to persuade? Think about the action or the reaction that you want from your audience. And then the last thing is how. How are you going to communicate? Are you going to use PowerPoint? Are you going to use props? And then the pace of that, the tone, volume, vocal variety, and also the non-verbal communication skills hand gestures, eye contact, pausing. There is lots to think about. There really is. And are are any of those non-verbal, were they surprising to you? So when you think of someone speaking, you think of them speaking, but there's a lot more that goes into a speech than words. Eye contact alone is, is one that's very important. I think even now, when we remote work and are on Zoom. What I try to practice at Toastmasters is actually looking into the camera lens. It feels very unnatural. When we are remote working, we're not obviously in a room with people. And I think when you are present physically with someone, there's almost that unspoken assumption that you have their attention. And I think that eye contact and non-verbal communication is even more important now in this virtual world because we can have browsers open on our laptop, we can have people coming in the door, distractions out the window. And when you are speaking, on Zoom as human beings are instinctively looking at that picture and trying to get those non-verbal reactions, whether it's nodding, whether it's smiling, whether it's looking at you. And 
just because we're not physically present doesn't mean that's not important anymore in communication. I actually think it's it's more important because we're not physically present. Yeah, I agree. There's just an energy that you get in a room that you can't replicate remotely. So it's almost like you exaggerate your normal gestures so that you can encourage the other speaker. Definitely. When it comes to the importance of, of nonverbal communication, one thing that I've learned in evaluating other people speaking, when I'm evaluating a speech, there's three things I'm looking at. It's the structure of the speech, the content of the speech, and then also the delivery. And nonverbal is really a huge part of that delivery piece. Those are the things that come to the fore if somebody's swaying on stage for example that's distracting you it's Mm. distracting how you are interpreting the message if they're really making great eye contact and they're moving around the room and you feel as an audience member wow this person's really engaging me non-verbal communication there's an instinctive reaction there Mm, fascinating now you can do a speech about absolutely anything So what would you say was one of the most unusual topics you've spoken about, Elaine? That's a great question, Susan. I did a speech earlier this year about a hat and it was around the time of lockdown. What I did was really a humorous speech and a fictitious sales pitch all in one. I wasn't doing much other than working, exercising once a day, walking around the park and I had some time on my hands to prepare a Toastmaster speech, which was great. And because I was walking in the park every day and trying to keep two meter distance from everyone, I thought, well, how about I come up with something to, <laughs> to help with this? And I came up with the idea of having kind of a hat with pellers and um, <laughs> did, did a speech about that. And it was, it was very silly, the whole thing. And it was completely made up. But I, I really went for it. I yeah. did a, a PowerPoint presentation. I came up with this whole branding, you know, this company <laughs> name and logo and a fictitious price points. I'd even made up customer reviews that were actually kind of in jokes that people in the club listening to the speech um, got and found funny. And that was the, the, the part I really enjoyed about it. I, I used to find speech writing a challenge what am I going to write about? I even did a speech about procrastination, (laughs) procrastinating about what to write the speech about. But now, after many speeches, I actually find it a fun, creative outlet. The speech about the hat was so much fun to do. I had fun thinking of, oh, maybe if I add this in, what if I do customer testimonials? That'd be really funny. And, you know, it was. And the feedback was lots of great feedback around how I can more effectively use PowerPoint via Zoom, which is very useful. Mm-hmm. But also it was unanimous in, in that it was funny. They said it was imaginative, creative. And we have a member in our club actually who is a stand-up comedian. Oh yeah? So yeah, so he does stand-up comedy. That's what he does. And uh, very funny, obviously. And to receive feedback from from someone like that who you know comedy is is their thing to say that was a really funny speech it was a great 
little win for the day you know before i've even started work i've absolutely i've, <laughs> I've entertained a stand-up comedian <laughs> well it goes far, to that whole competence and confidence as well but also quite far from the stereotypical accountant i would say in that moment <laughs> <laughs> oh we're busting all the stereotypes here elaine and there's one other aspect of the clubs that i find interesting it's mentoring elaine Mentoring is a key part of every Toastmasters club. We've got a mentoring coordinator in our club and that person's role is for anyone who wants a mentor that they will be given one. I would describe it maybe as as a fluid process. What I mean, it's not that you're assigned a mentor and that's it, that's your mentor. That mentor is available to you for your first couple of speeches. But everyone's style of speaking and communication is different. So it's good to have different mentors in your Toastmasters journey. And when you are a member for a period of time, you become familiar with the different styles of the other members. And depending on the type of speech that you are looking to deliver or the type of speaker that you are. I like to have a mentor for a speech that has a very different speaking style to me because I know that they're going to challenge me in how I'm thinking about delivering that message. So mentoring is a key part of every club. Everyone can have a mentor. It's not a requirement, but they're unavailable. I find as well, actually seeking out people to do your evaluation. They don't need to be a mentor, but there is somebody who's speaking style. I would love to be able to get closer to. So I ask them at times to do my evaluation. And then that brings up stuff that I really need to hear. And that, that adds a lot, I think. So it is a great aspect of Toastmasters. So I think you've touched on work-life balance. It seems that Toastmasters perhaps gives you an outlet outside of work, but what does work-life balance mean to you, Elaine? That's a good question. I think it means something different to us all. That's what I've learned. And it's it's ever-changing, depending on the different circumstances, if we think of the circumstances we've all been challenged with this year of remote working. And for me, it's about reflecting. It's about taking time, be it annually or more frequently than that, to just think about, have I got the balance right? I reflect now on, on when I first moved to London and my commute was quite long, actually. And I didn't really think it was at the time because I just moved to a new city. It's London. It's very spread out as a city and lots of people have long commutes, not just in London, everywhere. So I didn't really think much of it. But looking back at that period of my life now, and maybe I didn't quite have the the balance right at that time. I still really loved my job and I really loved where I lived they just didn't really they just weren't really that close to each other when I look back it's not that I would have changed any of that but maybe it was about using the commute differently being president what does that entail the president of a club is the chief executive officer they're responsible for the general supervision and operation of the club and it's really as broad as that description sounds 
There are responsibilities at the meeting. So the president speaks at the beginning of every meeting. And ideally that introduction is something inspirational, is setting the tone for the meeting and it sets the tone for the club. The president will chair club committee meetings, interact with the wider Toastmasters network and really is the face of the club. It's more than just the speaking because I need to speak at every meeting. I need to make sure that I'm prepared for that, but also conscious that where we have new members or guests or members that want to run something by you to ask you what the future of meetings are likely to look like under COVID and so on, the big questions that it's a real mix of of everything. It's being prepared to to speak and inspire and to, and to motivate as each meeting kicks off, but then in the background too, between meetings, working on those bigger questions and that strategy and mission of the club. Would you recommend Toastmasters? And if so, how do they go about joining? Would I recommend Toastmasters? Yes, I really enjoy it, but that's not a compelling reason for anyone to, to want to do something. You need to want to do it yourself. If you're not curious about communication, how to improve your communication skills, then it, it might not be for you. That's fine. But if you are curious about how you can improve your communication skills, then yes, I would say give it a try. You've got nothing to lose. And you can go to a course on presentation skills that's you know a one-day course where your organization offers those things absolutely take that up but not every organization does so toastmasters is an opportunity to outside of your working life work on your communication and leadership skills for the long term if if somebody has a big speech coming up maybe they've got a wedding speech coming up quite soon personally i think by going to one or two toastmasters meetings probably not going to be enough time. The thing with a Toastmasters meeting is there's not an instructor or a teacher. It's not a training session. It's a learning environment and it's self-directed. So you move as fast or as slow as you're comfortable with. The best way to find out more about Toastmasters is to go to the Toastmasters International website, www.toastmasters.org and click find a club to find clubs in your local area. Mm. And then you can just go along as a guest and see if it's for you. But as I said, try a few clubs, try them on for size, and then you'll find the one that fits in with your schedule. I think in accounting and finance in particular, there tends to be a lot of focus at times on networking, you know, good advice for your career build a network oh, yeah. and when you're starting out in your career you think what does this mean networking and I think Toastmasters is a very easy natural way to build a network and what I mean by natural is you're building it just by attending and you don't mm. even realize you have a purpose which is improving your communication and leadership skills but the added bonus is also building a network for me it's been a bit like when you find a series that you enjoy on television and you watch season one and you binge watch it and you think I can't wait to get to the end and you've you've really enjoyed that series and you think oh, I wish they made a season two and then you discover there is a season two <laughs> and that's just as good oh there's a season three and four and 
looking back, that would be how I would describe my, you know, interaction or my Toastmasters experience. When I joined at first and it was in a corporate club, it was like watching season one. I was really enjoying it. And then after a few years of living in London, it was like discovering season two and thinking, wow, it's still got all the the things I liked about season one, but this is a bit different. And there actually isn't just a season two. And I think that's where club leadership and interacting with the wider Toastmasters network, other clubs, thinking about contests and unlimited learning that can happen and and fun that's why I describe it like a great box set and there's always something more to watch there's always something more to try and learn and experience yeah it's like the gift that keeps on giving exactly it's a great conversation starter I guess it is a great conversation starter and because it's something I do every week it does come up in lots of conversations it's a fantastic icebreaker what comes up in conversation is oh, have you heard of Toastmasters and if the person's heard of Toastmasters then the, the conversation just goes from there and it's non-stop you've got an instant connection with fellow Toastmasters like our first conversation Susan you're a Toastmaster I think if you weren't then you know maybe maybe I wouldn't be on this podcast and that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think had you not been a, a, a Toastmaster we would have found lots of other things in common we would have found lots to talk about but we were instantly able to take the conversation to something completely different and speak about our clubs our speeches an area of passion and enjoyment and creativity that we engage in frequently and and i think that's where the most in- interesting conversations come from isn't it it's and i think that's where sometimes networking kind of gets a bit of a a bad rap because it's like i know I, i'm going to talk over drinks about my cv and is it going to feel like a bit of an interview but i think where you're having conversations with people and it's about an area of of which you're passionate or they're passionate about it instantly just adds a whole new dimension to that conversation the response that i get the most often actually is yes i've heard of that but i don't know that much about it or yeah i've heard of that i did try a meeting but i just i've been too nervous to go back or it's some variation of those responses that people are aware but there's maybe something holding them back the common reaction i find is always curiosity it's tell Mm. me more Mm. Mm. well hopefully that's exactly what this episode of life beyond the numbers has done today elaine hopefully (laughs) (laughs) fantastic well thank you so much for your time elaine and it was very cool to chat to a president of toastmasters who's also works in accounting thanks susan thank you for listening today And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.